I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. Well, Mr. Binks, here we are in 2021. And with a new year, post-Brexit, comes new travel regulations for you. So we're about to quickly jump on Zoom to talk to vet and environmental advisor Andrew Prentice to find out what Brexit means for dogs, cats and ferrets travelling to the continent. Hey Andrew! Hello, hi. Good to talk to you again. And you too, yes. So, Andrew, the new pet passport regulations came in recently. Oh, indeed. In the midst of all this Brexit situation, which at the time of recording, we don't know whether it's all going to be for the better or for the worse at the moment. But um, I guess some hope is that we can still travel in and out of the UK with our dogs, cats and ferrets. Is that right, Andrew? Well, yes, obviously right now, nobody's going anywhere. No. Um, but you know, if we get through the pandemic at some point, then yes, the current, the current view on the regulations, there, there are new regulations in place anyway. And there is a slightly new, there's a slight, one or two changes to the previous travel regulations. It's broadly, broadly speaking, similar to the way it was before. But the, the idea is that it will be possible to travel in and out of the UK with dogs and cat, dogs, cats and ferrets um, reasonably easily in the past, in the future, sorry, rather as it was in the past. Yes, it, it does seem, seem so. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it, how the pet passport has evolved, you know, because you were practicing um, at Hyde Park Vets, you know, my old practice, yeah. Yeah. when the pet passport was invented, because it was radical news, you know, wasn't it? It was news that nobody ever thought would happen. You could I actually know. go to France with your dog. Yes, I know. It was extraordinary, really. I mean, it was, and it was uh, 2001 when that happened, so almost 20 years ago. And it was it was quite a thing for us, because actually one of the one of the main instigators of the whole pet passport um, process was actually a client of ours at the clinic. So he, and he was on the very first trip across to Paris with his dogs. So it was all rather exciting. So we, we had actually had to do some of the documentation for him. So we felt you know, right at the center of things all those years ago. And, and since that time, huge numbers of animals have traveled in both directions. Uh, so it's been, broadly speaking, a great success. Um, we don't seem to have uh, got rabies in this country, which is a great relief. Um, but of course, it has brought with it other issues as well. And we've realized that there's a whole raft of other diseases which are potentially carried by pets. And we're having to, to be a bit more vigilant about some of that as well. Some of the parasitic diseases and things. And there are, there are other regulations in place to try and control that. So it's, it's not completely straightforward. But I would say it's been a great success in general. And it's allowed you know, loads of people to have holidays with their pets that they wouldn't have had before. And people who live in different countries can travel more easily. It's, you know, it's, it's the obvious thing to do because the technology is available now to allow us um, to certify the health of these animals, which is great. Yeah, great. And, it, and it's it mirrors really 
our lives at the moment where particularly at the moment where dogs have really you know come into their own as being you know the best companions to have particularly during a pandemic so um yes. we want to spend as much time with our dogs because they're not with us for that long you know they're not pre-programmed to live for as long as we all would like so yeah. you know i i i used to hate it because we used to go abroad to France and Sweden a lot, you know, and my mum's Swedish. And um, and we'd leave Tina, our Springer, and then latterly Minnie, our Cocker, in kennels. And, um, yeah. oh, God, I remember once Tina s smelt us, obviously, coming to pick her up. And mm. she was so ecstatic, you know. But, you know, you think how lonely and, you know, unprepared for being left in kennels she was. Yes. And, and, and whether that was ethical to leave her like that because she was so freaking out with joy when we got back. I mean, you know, yeah. so you can only imagine she would have been perhaps a bit on the miserable side, really, because this was before you could send people text messages or even telephone people you know so you know we had no idea what was happening to our dogs when we were in france well that's that's true and and, and of course you know it's not like you, you can't tell them what's going on you can try and you know you, you in your head you might imagine that you've explained to your pet they're just going to be there for a week or so while you're away but you know they've got no idea they don't know what's happened at all and so it's all you know you can imagine it being quite emotionally stressful and, and very confusing for them sometimes mm, that mm. that's that said um at hyde park we had a very close r relationship with the boarding kennels and i was always intrigued to see you know the, the dogs that were regular visitors to the boarding kennels, they always seemed very happy to meet the people who came to collect them. They all trotted happily across the road and got into the van to go down there. They didn't, they weren't sort of dragging their heels and saying, please don't take me off to prison again. <laughs> you know, no. There didn't seem to be any of that at all, you know, and they all seemed very jolly and cheerful to go back a second time. So, you know. I know, I know. But back in the day, I mean, I'm talking in the 1970s, you know, um, there were there were films and propaganda, you know, adverts really about rabies and the fear yeah. of rabies i mean really yeah. the passport is all about stopping rabies getting yeah. into the uk and yeah. the the yeah. thing is whilst in recent times we, we haven't had a rabies outbreak but yeah. arguably i'd love to uh, hear your views on this by relaxing the pet passport scheme in 2012 to go in line with mainland Europe's yeah. regulations yeah. offered a, a big window actually for rabies to get into the UK. Well yes it was all that was all about the change in the requirement for um, uh, blood testing wasn't it? Yeah because you know technically as I, I had heard that many dogs actually had to have two rabies shots because the first rabies shot when the blood test was taken to see if rabies was actually in in the bloodstream providing yes. the antibodies you know the rabies hadn't taken in inverted commas so dogs then had to have an, another one but explain that how how often did you come across that yes i mean when it all came in i mean in order to be ultra careful then you had to have the rabies vaccination and then a blood test a month later and the blood test was looking for antibodies you know since all the covid testing everybody's up to speed on antibodies and antigen and pcr and all the rest of it this was a blood test to check that the animal had produced antibodies to rabies and therefore would be protected. Yes. And the vast majority of dogs, when we took that blood test, the result came back positive. Yes, there's antibodies. And so we could with great confidence say, this dog 
is protected against rabies. So even if it gets bitten by another dog um, uh, and, and infected with rabies, it's not going to get sick and therefore it won't be able to pass it on to anybody else. And that's fine. Um, but there was a small number of those uh, dogs and cats who didn't produce good antibodies and therefore failed the blood test and had to have a second vaccination. So I was, I was very concerned when the regulations changed to saying, okay, well, we now have confidence in the vaccine and we're not gonna, we're gonna, in order to be in alliance with other countries, we won't do the blood test anymore. Um, I was a bit nervous because when you look at the percentage of animals who failed the blood test and the number of animals coming in and out of the country, I thought it was just a matter of time before we actually had um, a, a, an unprotected but infected animal coming into the UK and then we'd have an outbreak of rabies. Now, touching wood very um, carefully here, that hasn't happened so far. And we are, what, nearly nine years down the line from that. So maybe maybe that's fine. Maybe that's maybe it's fine. However, you know, in this time as well, though, you see the, the downside of creating something brilliant like the pet passport. There's always people, you know, around that want to optimize things for their own advantage, like, for example, yes. unscrupulous puppy breeders, because yes. um, the relaxation of the passport scheme also enabled dogs to travel in a lot younger, didn't it? Uh, yes, it did. Yeah. And, and we... I mean, I was in a, in a practice where we saw a very large number of animals who were not just UK-based going abroad, but coming into the UK from other countries. And sometimes the paperwork they came in, we, we were thinking, well, it sort of complies, but I'm a bit suspicious as to whether that's really genuine is that really the age of this animal is that really a proper vaccine is that you know there, there was there was quite a lot of gray areas and as you say the unscrupulous you know i think there were ways for unscrupulous players in the whole thing to kind of get around the regulations and there were times when i was a bit concerned i'm thinking i don't know this this, this these arrangements do seem a little bit leaky but you're never going to make it 100 percent secure and, well, um, yes, yes. I mean, maybe, maybe the new regulations have taken steps in that direction, Andrew, because, you know, in the new, they're calling it now um, an animal health certificate, yeah, yeah. but they're also saying that only five dogs or five animals even can yes. travel with one carrier. Yes, yes. How is that potentially going to help stop puppies coming in under age and sickly you know puppies there was one over lockdown you know he was called Mr Chai he was a Pomeranian and the yeah. uh, Love Island couple had bought him online yeah. you know they, yeah. they, they, they perhaps now realize they, they shouldn't have done that but anyway Mr Chai he only lived for six days you know which wasn't necessarily anything to do with his rabies in, injection but, but the fact he'd been bred in poor conditions and traveled all the way from Russia to the UK at a very, very young age, you know, um, which is a bit, bit wrong, really. So do you think this stipulation of this five, because that is, for me, the biggest difference with these new regulations? Yes, I mean, it's, it's going to help. It's, it's going to help for sure. And, and anything that makes it more difficult for people to be transporting very young animals across multi, 
national borders. I mean, the mo I think the most extreme story I, I came across, we, we had somebody came in with a puppy that they'd recently acquired. So this was happening in London. The puppy had actually been born in South Korea had then been transported from South Korea to Canada, had then gone from Canada to Paris, and then had come from Paris to London in a car. Now, and you're thinking, okay, well, as it turned out, the puppy was, you know, reasonably bright and healthy, and I have every reason to, to, you know, to imagine that it's gone on to have a happy, healthy life. But that's a hell of a journey to take place when it was just old enough to fulfill the regulations. And you just think, that doesn't seem to be very sensible. It's not like we're short of puppies in this country. You know, if you want to get yourself a dog, get yourself a dog that came, comes from this country. I'm a big fan of people, of people adopting dogs anyway. Um, well, yes. Yeah. I mean, with your um, environmental hat on, imagine yes. the air miles <laughs> that well, that puppy yeah. did, you know, which is also kind of counterintuitive, really, in, in, in the climate we're living in, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think I think we'd all we'd all got a bit carried away with stuff. I mean, you know, people were traveling all over the world, left, right and center. And, you know, was that really a very sensible thing to be doing? We were like kids in a sweet shop, weren't we, really? We were buying everything we could, traveling as much as possible. And I think sort of the planet's biting back a little bit at the moment. And we've all stopped from traveling and that's maybe not such a bad thing for a while. While well, we take stock and then figure out, you know, what's a more sustainable way for us all to live. But we're well, getting a bit off, we're possibly getting a bit off topic here. <laughs> <laughs> but so um, explain then for people who, you know, yeah. would like to go away next summer you know, yeah. let's think positive um, okay. and, and take their dog with them. What are they going to have to do and what should they go in and ask their local vet? Okay, very first thing, and this is a requirement for all dogs, um, is a microchip. So a microchip identification is very simple. There's no, no secret nasty information um, from Bill Gates on, your, on the microchip. All it has <laughs> is it has, it has a coded 15 digit number and then on a central computer database, that 15 digit number is linked to a specific owner. So a little tiny microchip is about the size of a grain of rice and it's just inject, injected under the skin, normally on the scruff of the neck. Um, and in most cases, it's a painless injection and it's easily done and that's a lifelong identification. And it's a requirement that every dog in the UK is identified as having a specific owner. Yes, and that's law, isn't it now? That came, became law, when was it? Not, not that long ago, yeah. 2016, yeah. yeah. Something like that, yes it was, yeah. So that's, that's a requirement anyway for dogs, but for cats and ferrets, they also have to be identified by a microchip straightforward second thing is for travel then um, these animals need to have a rabies vaccination they need to be over 12 weeks old in order to have a rabies vaccine and the reason for that is that very young animals um, uh, sometimes don't respond adequately to a vaccine their immune systems are not entirely mature they have lots of, of antibodies from their mother floating around in the system um, so you need to wait until they're over 12 weeks old Mm, that's interesting though isn't it because originally and um, for a very long time and lots of people said this was the best way your puppy had to be six months yes so uh, why was it hard yeah, oh, well it, what, it, what it was you had to wait um i mean they, they now know that the, the vast majority of animals by the time of 12 weeks they're what's called the mda the maternally derived immunity so the antibodies that have come from their mothers 
those levels uh, will have dropped. Um, the delay used to be about blood testing because back in the day when we were when we were blood testing um, you couldn't then travel until six months after the rabies vaccination that's so, right you couldn't come back into the uk you could leave but not come back so it was like it was like the quarantine period yes, actually yes, to see yes, exactly. if your dog actually got rabies yes the idea was you you had the, the rabies vaccine you then took a blood test a month later and then you had to wait six months uh, because the blood test couldn't tell the difference between antibodies from a vaccine and antibodies from the real disease. And it still can't tell the difference. So, you know, if you had an animal where you'd done a blood test and there were antibodies present, the assumption was that came from the vaccine, but actually you couldn't be sure. It might have been bitten by another rabid animal whilst you were having lunch in Italy um, and you wouldn't have known the difference. So we had, the idea was you had to wait six months to make sure that really was a vaccine response. So Gosh, it's yes. become much easier. It's become much easier now. The bottom line is you have your rabies vaccine. You're, you're, the animal needs to be over 12 weeks old. You then wait 21 days all right um in order for the vaccine to be certain that the vaccine will have had its effect and will have started to produce antibodies right and then, right and then, and then the fourth component is you need to go to your vet and to get a thing called an animal health certificate an ahc and this is a piece of paper which essentially confirms all this information it confirms who the owner is what who the the animal is what is the microchip number when the microchip was put in what rabies vaccine was given and when it was given um that there's been a 21 day delay and that the animal is um, fit and healthy for travel and then that needs to be signed off by a vet who is what's called an official veterinarian an official <laughs> veterinarian is a it's a it's a vet who has underdone undergone a short training course um, run by the government um, to authorize them to sign these kind of official certificates and then you have you're issued then with a, a particular stamp so that can be the certificate is signed off by an OV an official veterinarian and um, away you go but you can only go away for four months apparently the certificate is valid for four months yes it is and then every journey you need to do another one is that right uh that's correct yes it's for single use it's right. for one, one single departure from from the uk yeah it is yeah so it's a little bit more a hassle it sounds to me you know it's, than... it is it is at the moment i mean i think like many things you know we're in a time of great change um, and this is the arrangement that's been put in place now whether that will then change as things begin to settle down which I'm sure they will I mean to be honest looking at the sort of arrangements for Brexit at the moment it seems to be in an advanced stage of chaos um, yeah. absolutely <laughs> um, uh, but Liz uh, well, something I thought about the new passport that I thought would cheer you up um, yeah. unless I've read it wrong you don't have to do the worm a bit uh, well, it depends which country you're going to. Yes, yes, but on the whole, that's correct. There are certain because the the, the wormer, so the parasite treatment, is all about um, a particular type of tapeworm, which is present in some countries and not present in others. And the reason that this tapeworm is a problem is that it can affect people as well. And there are 
um, a, a number of people uh, across the world who are actually dying each year because of this tapeworm. And um, pets can be the, the vector of infection on that. So at the moment, if you're going into Finland, the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Norway or Malta, then you do need to have a tapeworm treatment given to your pet between one and five days before travel. And that yeah. needs to be entered on the on their health certificate as well. Right. But that's a lot less than it used to be, you know. Yeah. Um, only remember because it was a bit of a panic in a, you know, yes. to enable yourself to consume your dog to consume the worm tablet in the time frame it, you know it yes. kind of ruined your holiday because you had to get to calais say if you were yes. in france you know 48 hours before your departure to enable that your dog had taken a general wormer um yes. no more than 48 hours before coming back into the uk but no exactly. less than 24 so yes. um <laughs> it yes. was a bit of a mad was, scramble it was a bit of a mad scramble yes and 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 making a mistake with the timing of that parasite treatment was the commonest reason for uh, pets being refused entry into the UK by, by a long chalk. And so, so much so, much so that, uh, that um, a couple of rather enterprising hotels in the Calais area offered um, a service of bed, breakfast and vet. <laughs> Did they really? <laughs> exactly in that order, obviously, um, <laughs> and uh, the idea that people who'd made a mess of the timing could go and stay in the hotel, but they would provide a, a vet who would come and, and give the parasite treatment, restamp the passport. You'd wait for twenty-four hours and then come into the UK. Yeah, uh, but anyway, that's yeah well at least you know at least from an environmental perspective that might um ease a little bit of pressure um in terms yes. of you know wormers ending up well, in exactly. our food yeah anyway just to just to recap then so to exit the uk all right it's a microchip then a rabies vaccination when the pet is over 12 weeks of age wait for 21 days go to your vet and get an animal health certificate and if you're traveling to one of those five countries, you do need to give a tapeworm treatment as well. The other issue is that you now also, you have to have a designated, a TPE, a traveler's point of entry. So you need to specify by which route you're actually leaving the UK. And what do you mean by that? Whether you're flying or going by boat or, or Eurotunnel? Yes, exactly, exactly. But there is a requirement in order to try and trace and track what's going on here that the, the you rather than it just being a generic, okay, this animal's fit to travel, actually, you, you do need to specify by what route um, you're going. But otherwise, so it's a, it's a relatively straightforward, and it's not dramatically different, but just the animal health certificate is a, is a, new, a new wrinkle on the process. Yes, yes, well. But the second part then is, of course, is coming back into the UK. You want to talk about that? Yes. <laughs> well, that's kind of, you know, bearing in mind we can only leave for four months. We have to come back, don't we? There's no going to France for an extended um, sabbatical or anything anymore or, or going to, you know, anywhere like Italy to get inspired to write your new book. <laughs> yeah, but, but, well, yes, but I mean, there are, other, there are other sort of wrinkles on that as well because now... I think it's, is it not right that, that people who have second homes um, in the rest of Europe now will only be able to spend three months out of every six there? Right. 
Um, Gosh, I hadn't looked into that. Um, yeah, so that's sort of that's another complication as well. I think this is yet another one of those things that will kind of sort itself out as everybody realizes how inconvenient and pointless it is. But still, but why um, is it tricky to come back in? You know, you say being I, don't, I keep saying France, it's just you know, yeah. um, from France to the UK, you don't need to give an extra wormer, so you haven't got the worry of the wormer problem. You've got your um, animal health certificate. Do you? And if you were going by Eurotunnel, do you? not just drive up to their pet passport control which is fabulous there you know they have a whole building yes. now for pets um show your certificate and then get a boarding pass uh yes the to come back into the uk um you've got a, a number of different documents you can you can use um you can use an eu issued pet passport right so so if you live in the in in the EU, I not in the UK, then you can get a pet passport issued for your for your pet, and then that will be acceptable for return to the UK. You can, if your pet has a pass a, a GB a, a UK pet passport that was issued before the first of January next year, okay, yeah. and that is still considered acceptable. But a UK pet passport issued after the 1st of January next year will not be acceptable for travel back into the UK. Don't ask me why, but that's how it is. I so I suppose if you've just gotten a passport for your dog, um, you know, and it's it's in date and the rabies vaccine is in yes. date, yes. then um you you're all that. right. Yes, yeah. until it runs yes. out. But then so yes. eventually all those passports will you know, run out, won't they? Because I think the the biggest rabies is three years. The biggest length yes. is of yes, duration exactly. of immunity is three years. So eventually, they'll all fizzle out, and everyone will have animal health certificates. Yes, exactly. Um, so for journeys of four months or less, yes, you can use your the animal health certificate, the AHC that you used to leave the UK. So that document that identified your pet is rabies vaccinated microchips and all the rest of it um that's that's valid for a return trip to the uk for up to four months so that's fine um there is a third document they that is on the list um called a gb pet health certificate um i was on the on the phone to the ministry this morning to try and find out exactly what that was and, and two people i spoke to weren't quite sure so should we leave that we'll deal with that later <laughs> Right. basically if you've got a passport a pet passport or the animal health certificate that was issued to leave the uk um then you can use that to get back okay and just one question because sometimes people ask me this actually it's not mandatory to have um your dog annually boosted to travel abroad no it's not um the there you're talking when you say booster you're talking about vaccinations for things like distemper hepatitis parvovirus and things like that yeah exactly yes? exactly yes, yes. No, no no that's that's not it's not a requirement for the purposes of travel right okay i think i think the the reality is you would be wise to keep to make sure that your pets are protected from infectious disease now whether that's done through vaccination at the required interval or whether for certain diseases where that's that's a blood test to prove they've still got plenty of antibodies but if you're taking your pet into a country where the local disease situation is different um, then you kind of you want to make sure that they're well protected 
Yes, but you can titer test um, for you oh, know, for many the, of the diseases for the yes. core diseases. I think there is another there is another issue that that we were certainly concerned about and continue to be concerned about is is also um, parasites. You know, if when you you move to a different climate zone, so you've moved from the northern Europe. Uh, climate zone and you move say to the Mediterranean climate zone then um, the parasites and the diseases down there are different to the ones up here so you need to be aware of the fact that there are different types of mosquitoes and sand flies and you know the 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 the, the, the what you what we used to call exotic diseases are not exotic there they're normal and so you've got a dog coming from the UK will be um, fresh meat for them and yeah. you want to make sure that they that you don't ignore the problem it doesn't mean you need to soak your animal in in pesticides to, to protect them but it means you need to take advice on what the likely risk is going to be in that country uh, and if you want to be really brave you go and talk to the vets down when you get there and say well actually you know what are the diseases here what do i need to be worried about what do i need what's the local situation and take that into account. Yes, I think I think that's very very sensible. You know, I mean, I'd think twice. I think, but rather, was wood for for ourselves as well. And I think another issue, which is often not talked about. I mean, if you're just think about what the climate is going to be like. You know, and and if you do have a, a dog who's maybe not particularly fit or has breathing problems already, if you're going to be taking them to a country where the ambient temperature is in the 30s or the 40s, then you need to think about whether that's necessarily a very sensible thing to do. Really so it's good a point. Little, really little good bit, point. A little bit of common sense um, about uh, um, what, what you're doing here. Okay. Yes, yes, I, I think that's uh, extremely excellent advice, Andrew. Um, thank you very, very much. And um, sorry, uh, sorry to butt in, but there is one there is one issue that we haven't we sort of touched on, but not been absolutely clear from go on if, if you're coming back with a pet from a country which is not free of this particular tapeworm and the tapeworm if you want to know the name it's echinococcus multilocularis so remember that i'll be testing you on it later <laughs> <laughs> but if you're coming um from countries that are not free of that and that basically means countries that are not finland Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Norway, or Malta, i.e. Right. almost, so everywhere. Everywhere, almost yeah. everywhere, you do need to still give a tapeworm treatment before coming into the UK. Oh, so the wormer hasn't gone away after all? It's between 24 hours and 100, so between one and five days before coming back into the UK, unless you're coming from an, a tapeworm-free country, which is those five, you do still need to give a taper a taper on treatment. And that needs to be given in the presence of a vet. It needs to be a product that is licensed for the country it's given in. And the vet needs to sign the relevant document confirming that it's been given. Okay. Right, right. So we haven't got away with the wormer after all at all. Away. Got away with a parasite treatment before coming back into the UK, and the reason for this is to try and prevent um, getting a significant importation of this tapeworm called Echinococcus multilocularis um, into the UK. That said, it is in the UK; it's just not very much here at all, and we want to try and limit its spread because it can affect people.
And that's, you know, that's an important issue. Thank you, Andrew, for clarifying that. Um, you know, clear as mud. No, joking, it's, joking. It's, it's, <laughs> that's really helped enormously. And um, hopefully... I think I, I, think I, I think I would say that to, if you're thinking of travelling with your pet, just talk to your vets is the first thing. Talk to the vets um, because the regulations are changing. And I can say that there is still quite a lot of confusion even in the veterinary community about exactly what these regulations are and where they have to get the relevant paperwork from um, it's you know when things change it's always a little bit chaotic so don't try and do it at the very last minute give your vets a little bit of notice so that they can get the necessary paperwork ready for you and, um, and and communicate keep talking don't try and get it all done at the last minute because it's often not possible no, and I remember one of the only t two times um, I was at the pet passport, you know, at Calais, um, yeah. there, there was a family with their yellow Labrador and the vet hadn't signed, it was obviously yeah. an accident, hadn't signed obviously the wormer yeah. and they were refused and they were really freaking out, the family, because, you know, yes. they were booked on this service and yeah. you know, they had nowhere to stay, all the rest of it. So they are very, very strict, I must say. They are, they, they are strict and, and, and rightly so. And people do get caught out. It, mm. it, it does happen. It's not the end of the world. It can be fixed, but um, yeah, just paying real attention to the details. It's really important. It really helps. Yes, indeed. Attention to detail. That's right. And and perfect planning with this. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Andrew, for this um, update. It is, it is landmark news. And yeah. um, let's hope we can be on air again on my podcast very soon. I'll look forward to it anytime. Thank you, Andrew. Okay, cheers, Anna. That's our show, Mr. Binks. What did you think? Yes, it is really good news. You can still go to Paris, but you do still have to have the wormer before we can come in. Anyway, we can't go anywhere at the moment, but I hope you all enjoyed it too. If you did, please subscribe to A Dog's Life with Anna Webb on your favourite podcast app, because we're on all of them. Thank you to Andrew Prentice, and links to all his social media are in the show notes of today's episode. Thanks also to my producer, Mike Hansen at Pod People Productions. You can follow them on at Pod People UK. And for more about me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. And we'll be back in your feed next Sunday for another episode of A Dog's Life. So why don't you subscribe now and then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.